Hey, this is Sean Mandoli, and I'm the pastor of Sanctuary LA, and you're listening to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this message encourages and inspires you. Remember to follow us on social media at My Sanctuary LA and enjoy the message. Divine interruptions. If you want to listen to the rest, you can listen to the podcast, download the app, and all that good stuff. But here, I'm going to start here, and we're going to just hang out on Mark chapter 5 in a situation that Jesus interrupted the normal flow of things once again. Um, he interrupted somebody's life. He interrupted um, the way things were, uh, always uh, always were, and kind of the norm. But the norm, w- from God's perspective, was wrong. And, um, and, and many times in culture and in life, there's a lot happening that is quote-unquote normal but from God's perspective that it's not it's not it's not the best okay it's it's just normal from the world's perspective but not normal from God's perspective so God steps in Jesus himself stepped into somebody's life and he literally transformed somebody interrupted um, the plans of the devil literally and 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 really performed a miracle in this person's life and I just want us to look at this and just dive into it here for the next 25 minutes and 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 hopefully you'll get on out of here with some good word inside of your spirit and your soul mark chapter 5 verse 1 if you're there say i got it here we go then they came to the other side of the sea uh, to the country of the gadarenes and when he had come out of the boat immediately met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit isn't that like jesus jesus has no problem stepping into a dark place Jesus is not scared of your darkness. He's not scared of what you've been through. He will walk up off the shore into your life. Anybody did Jesus ever stepped into your life when you were in a dark place? Stepped right in. Wasn't scared. Wasn't intimidated. Was like, look, I'm going to step up into this. Jesus has a heart for us that he will step right in to our dirty closet. Somebody say amen. Don't look look at me like all your closets are clean. Well, maybe it is, depending on your personality. But, but I'm talking even on a spiritual level, in our soul. Jesus is not put off by your stuff. He will step right in. He stepped right in. And this man who, was, um, um, who had an unclean spirit, he was demonized. This person was, um, um, they call him um, in the history books, the madman of Gadara. He was a madman. He was demonized. He had demons. He had a lot of them. And Jesus stepped right into his life with his demons. That's just the love and compassion of Jesus. He stepped right into my life. I was messed up. I I came up from a lot of abuse. I came out of uh, a lot of drugs and alcohol and just a wild, crazy, demonic childhood. And Jesus stepped in my life when I was 17 years old. Stepped right into my life. Was like, what's up, Sean? What you doing? And I was like, ah, you know. Some of y'all laughing like, oh, but I'm for real. Though. I, I, I had a lot going on on the inside, and it wasn't Jesus. Somebody say amen. And so this is just a hard He's interrupting already. Here comes Jesus. Stepping into this man's life. He stepped right into your life. Verse 3, who had his dwelling among the tombs. He hung out in the graveyard, and no one could bind him. I mean, they tried to chain this man up, not even the chains, that the demonic spirits would, in essence, 
The rage inside of this man would give him the power to break chains. Somebody say demonized. Verse 4, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. I mean, they were tying this man up. He must have been doing some bad stuff, tying him up. You know what I'm saying? He caught a case, got locked up. Somebody say amen. But they were really chaining this man up. Chaining him up. Couldn't control him. I'm here to tell you right now that this world can't solve our problems. That the world's methods can't solve the problems that only Jesus can do. And people will try to do the best they can. And, and, and society will try to do the best they can. But we, I'll be at the, at the end of the day, uh, we need the power of God in our life. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need Jesus. We need Jesus to come in and break some chains. It says, who had been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. I'm here to tell you right now, people tried to help me, couldn't tame me. I'm here to tell you right now that even with Jesus in my life, in my life uh, working in my life, I still, you know what I'm saying, I still need Jesus to help me out. I still need Jesus to help my mouth out. Somebody say amen. Anybody have, have any mouth problems? Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. And then, oops, Jesus. Lord, I believe you're down in there somewhere. Where are you at? Come on, show somebody that you're in there. Somebody say amen. They couldn't tame him. Couldn't lock him down. Couldn't help him. Verse 5. And always, 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 this brother was bound. This dude was, had some issues. Look at your neighbor and say, I got issues. It says all the time, always, night and day. Night and day. The Bible says the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. This man was bound. He was jacked up. Night and day, always. And he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and he was cutting himself with stones. He was hurting. He was in pain. He had an unclean spirit. The Bible says it's demonic. Oh, this is deep, huh? You guys are like, man, I was expecting a nice little, you know, nice little pick-me-up message. This is going to pick you up. Amen. Um, Jesus is here to set us free. And I, here's my first point. Here's my first point. God's, God's goal, or re rather God's plan, if I could say it that way, if, for us is always freedom. Jesus' heart for you is always freedom. His goal for you is always freedom. Jesus stepped up into this man's darkness, and God's whole heart was his freedom. His whole perspective was, I'm going to set this man free. Jesus came into his life. Nobody else could help him, could not help himself. And that word unclean, it comes from two Greek words. And I want to break this down here for you for a minute. But, but the word unclean, he had an unclean spirit. He had an unclean, demonic spirit operating in his life, the Bible says. There's other demons in the Bible. There's spirit of fear, the spirit of divination. The Bible talks about an evil heart of unbelief. It could be a spirit, a demonic influence of doubt and unbelief trying to attack your mind. Demons are real. They're nothing to be scared of in Christ. There's nothing to be fearful of. But Jesus wants to step into our life and destroy the works of the devil. I was abused as a child. I had a lot of rage in me. I had an unclean spirit. Okay? I, I, I had demons messing with me. My mind. Now, uh, my head wasn't spinning in a circle. And I wasn't uh, foaming at the mouth. And although people did, when Jesus cast the devils out of people, the Bible, Bible talks about certain ones foaming at the mouth. And sometimes when we think about demons, we think about the, the old school movie, The Exorcist, or something like that. And, 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 and it's kind of glorifying, and, or it's kind of this demonstrative thing. It's not always like that, but I'm here to tell you right now, regardless of your experience with them, they are real. And in Christ, we can overcome them. But this man had an unclean spirit. 
He had a demon. Wasn't a bad guy. Wasn't wrong with the dude himself, the man, the soul of the man, but he had a devil operating in his life. Somebody say amen. Okay, so it's unclean spirit. This is what it means. Un, I know you know this, but I'm not trying to sound all deep and theological, but the word un, it means in the Greek, not. Okay, all right. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. But this is what it means. This is what clean means. It means to make clean by purging or to prune. It really means uh, that when you look at a tree and it has, it means to be uh, unmixed. So when you look at a tree with good fruit and bad fruit, it's an impure tree. Why? Because it has unclean things attached to it and good things too. And this man was unclean, meaning he was not purged. And many times in our Christian life, I'm going to encourage the saints in here. I'm going to encourage the Christians in here. When we're walking with God and we refuse to allow him to purge those things from us, we open up the door to uncleanness because we're not allowing him to cut away the things that need to be cut away. Come on, church, help me out here. Somebody say amen. It means to make clean. It doesn't mean innately born clean. It means that it did not go through. This gentleman did not go through a process to allow God to clean him. He held on to things. He had certain pet habits, maybe. Uh, maybe he had certain things he was refusing to let go of. So he was unclean because he, he did not allow the purging or the pruning to take place. It means to, um, this is what it means in the Greek. That word clean means to eliminate what is fruitless by purifying. To be unmixed, you know. So, uh, so we walking in our life, and it also means to remove the undesirable elements. That word unclean spirit means a spirit, an open door to the devil in, in this person's life was because they had mixture in them and they weren't dealing with it. When I, I grew up, I was, I was sexually abused as a child. So that opened the door to unclean spirits. I hope you all come back next week. Came to God. I'm here to tell you right now, it took a journey to get delivered of some of that stuff. God loves me. He saved me. I didn't get it all right, right in the moment. But I'm here to tell you right now, as a young kid, I still struggle with pornography. It's an unclean spirit. I had to allow God to purge those things from my life. I was in church a long time and still struggle with that stuff. I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's my journey. I went, I, we are all going through some sort of process. Yours might not be as, as dark and, and gnarly as mine, but we all want to just stay open to the Lord and allow him to purify us, to purge us, to take those things and to, and to purify and to make us clean too so that we don't have those mixtures to remove the undesirable elements Jesus came in, and this person was in that state. And I'm here to tell you right now, it's the love of God. That when other people wouldn't want to touch you with a 10-foot pole, Jesus will step right in and be like, what's up? He's not going to condemn you. He's not going to push you away. He's going to step right up into your world and be like, let's hang out. Let's hang out. It's when light, the light of Christ, the heart of God, the power of God coming into your life. He wants to interrupt what is normal out there, but is not normal in Christ. All right, let's look at verse 6. And so when he saw Jesus from afar, this man is demonized. It says he ran and worshipped him. If this man was that demonized and he could worship, my question to you is why can't you? I mean, this brother had some issues, but he was still like, okay, I'm, 
You know, Jesus, he ran. This man, people couldn't even hold him in chains. But there was something in him that drove him to the feet of Jesus. And that sometimes people say, oh, I'm, I'm really dealing with some stuff, Sean. I can't be worshiping God. I can't be lifting my hands. You don't know what I'm going through. Well, I don't know what you're going through, but I'm here to say right now, why are you using that as an excuse to not give God some praise? When this dude was foul, dirty, cutting himself, breaking chains, you know, he was living in tombs. Jesus shows up and he runs at the Savior and worships. All right, this is my second point is worship is always the doorway to freedom. That's what started it all. Jesus just stepped up. Jesus was just in the room. Jesus just stepped up into his life. The first thing this demonized man did was worship. Worship. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. And that word, that word run means to move forward with, with full effort. Right? I mean, he showed up to church on time. Ah, Jesus, I'm preaching good in here. I mean, this brother was demonized. He showed up on time. <laughs> Come on, guys, lighten up. We got the day off tomorrow. Think about this. Think about the struggle in him, and he still can worship. I'm going to tell you right now, when I've, when I've walked through with God since I was 17 years old, that's one thing you're not going to take from me is my praise and my worship. I don't, I don't have to be on key. I'm never on key. It always sounds funny. I sound like Chewbacca when I, when I worship. That's my wife. She actually thought I, I was worshiping Jesus in the sincerity, in the purity of my soul. And she thought I was doing a Chewbacca impersonation. I'm not even trying to be funny. Thanks for laughing at me. But that's a real, that's a real thing. This is... But you can't stop my worship. You can't stop my praise. That's one thing. I could be all jacked up. I'll come up in here dragging my leg. You know, I messed up. My mouth messed up. My eyes messed up. Listening to the wrong thing, saying, the, come on, somebody. We're a real church for real people. And that's one thing. That's one thing you're not going to steal from me. I'm going to give God praise. You'd be surprised. Some of y'all, if you just give God praise, see what demons leave you. This was the entryway to his freedom. This brother was jacked up. If he came up in here, y'all would not want to sit by him. He was messed up. Just like Lazarus coming out the tomb, stinky, what we talked about last week. We want stinky dead people with demons to come to this church. Oh, yeah, you don't want that, do you? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Jesus stepped into this man's world. This man ran move forward with full effort this is what it means i'm not trying to sound all deep here but you know what run means to advance speedily sometimes y'all too slow with your worship you take too long that's why you're so troubled you take why when's the last time you just threw it down you said nope devil nope you just put in that song you you know back in the day we had tape cassettes come on somebody now it's so easy you got a, you got three music apps all your favorite songs on a playlist and you can't worship come on i'm old school back then we had tape where's that tape at where's the tape under this there it is get the pencil inside of it roll it back come on somebody you don't know what we've been through. I'm my gener Generation X, man. We've been through some stuff. Didn't have no apps. Didn't have my favorite worship song just with one little push of a 
Not even a button. You know what I'm saying? Where's your worship at? This man was demonized. Cutting himself and he could still worship. He could still worship. He could still worship. When he saw Jesus, what did you do the last time you saw Jesus? You come into the house of God. We, we ought not to have to try to encourage you to worship. I shouldn't have to tell you to lift your hands. Ah, Jesus, I'm preaching good. It's quiet. It's okay, though. I got the day off tomorrow. I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to hang out with family and all that. So I'm going to preach for two more hours just for that. Come on, somebody. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran. He moved forward with full effort, advanced speedily. I'm here to say right now, men of God, that if we don't worship, we can't expect our city to be changed. That it starts with men of God. I said it starts with men of God. And, and, and the women don't have to be the only ones praying and worshiping. You'll be surprised, the authority, men of God, all men everywhere, men lifting up holy hands. Come on now. I got a spattering of applause from a few of the ladies. But when men rise up, when men of God do and do what God has called us to do, the community will follow and the devil will run. You'll be surprised how much authority you have innately in the created order of man first. Come on. You know what got us into this mess? Adam. It's all his fault. Don't blame Eve. <laughs> all the ladies are like, yes, that's right. Amen. <laughs> they both had a part to play. She was deceived, but he was a knucklehead. <laughs> Set her down now. Set her down. But men, all men, men worshiping. You know, one thing encourages me, uh, Deacon John and Pessy, they're um, away for the weekend, ever. but that brother is on the front row worshiping every weekend. He's being an example. He's worshiping God because he's worthy, but I'm telling you right now, the word man means model. I'm a model. Look at your neighbor. Come on, man. Look at, find somebody, man of God, and tell them I'm a model. A model. Come on. So one dude looked at another dude and said, no, you're a model. You're, I'm not a, a model. A model. If you even look at this story, there's a man that was demonized. And he, when Jesus was in the environment, he ran to him and worshiped. Worship is always the doorway to freedom. And the Bible says he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I to do with you? Now the devil in him is talking. And some of you might say, well, is that him or the devil? I have no idea because sometimes I'll be saying stuff. I don't know if it's me or the devil. But at any rate, I'm just going to worship and the devil's going to manifest. <laughs> oh, man, y'all didn't want this this morning, did you? When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him. Look at this. And he cried out. With a loud voice and said, what if I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. I'm here to tell you right now that your worship torments the devil. It's, it was his job description. And we got his job. He's jealous. He was the, the cherub that covered. He covered worship in heaven. His, he got fired. He got kicked out of heaven. And God gave his job to redeemed man. 
And we do it by choice, not by created design. You're a worshiper because you choose, not because you have to. Angels worship because they were designed to. Certain angels in heaven, that's all they say is holy. What's up, man? Holy. What you going to do today? Holy. But we worship fallen, broken man because we choose and God loves it. And the devil is tormented when we worship. Well, the devil's really messing with me. Pastor Sean, I don't know what to do. He's really attacking me. Have you worshiped? Come on now. Well, I'm really going through it. I don't feel like I have it all together. Have you worshiped? I feel like I got a demon, Pastor Sean. Worship. My spouse is getting worship. My boss, worship. I'm not going to let you finish. That's my counseling. Pastor Sean, worship. Can we sit down and worship? We have like professional counselors in here. They're like, Pastor Sean, that's not going to work. You need to. You need to connect. You need, you know, you need. Worship first. Do that first. Then come see me. That's my prescription. I'm slinging worship this morning. All up on the block, just throwing out worship. Who wants some? Worship. What's that? I remember one time we were out on the street, street evangelizing on the street. These guys were selling dope or something. And I was like, we were like, man, we got the Holy Ghost. And he was like, oh, what's that? I was like, I got some right here. You want some? <laughs> Straight up. He actually thought it was like angel dust. I was like, no, Holy Ghost. Watch this. Lift your hands. Somebody say Holy Ghost. <laughs> Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I'm slinging worship. When it demonized, cutting himself, living in the graveyard, Jesus shows up. He runs and he worships. And everything changes after that. Still got demons, but he's worshiping. My goodness, what's your excuse? Come on, somebody. Worship, 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 worship. I'm here to tell you right now, the word of God in the gathering, the preach word is secondary to worship. This is not the most important part. It's a second. Somebody say amen. I'm just kidding. But it's worship is the most important thing. Because if you worship, everything else is going to work out. It's how God designed us. Let everything that has breath say the, praise the Lord. Come on, come on. Just join the trees. Join the, join the rain. Join the animals. Come on. Join all creation. Worship. <laughs> worship, worship in the, in the Greek, it means to kiss the ground. Come on, I worship. I kiss the ground. She walks on. Come on, somebody. But to kiss the ground... When prostrating before a superior, kiss is intimacy. I was talking to, my wife and I were talking to a single lady the other day, and I was saying, yeah, I mean, we were good. We, we, we kept it pure. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't, we didn't do the do until we got married. But we kissed a little too much before we got married. And it was all her fault. I'm like, girl, settle down. <laughs> like, I'm trying to. Look, I'm not trying to get mixture up in here, okay? No, I'm playing. I'm messing. But, 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 for, but, but there's some of that kissing. It's a doorway to intimacy. Somebody say amen. I know you single folks don't want to hear it, but it's the truth. Come on, married people, say amen. Come on, are you guys all right in here? But, but it's the thing. It's a worship. It's kiss. It's intimacy. It's intimacy. So this man, with all kind of stuff going on inside of him, he's still able to get his worship on, to get intimate. 
Intimate with God. It says to kiss the ground when prostrating before a superior. It means it's a willingness. Here it is. To make necessary physical gestures of obedience. That's worship. Some people come in, oh, I love God. Everybody's like, praise and worship. Yeah, praise the Lord. Lifting up holy hands. If you've done some things with your hands you shouldn't have done, got involved in some stuff you shouldn't have, right here, set them apart right now, right? Lift your holy hands. Come on, it's a physical gesture. Some people say, well, I'm praising the Lord in my mind. No, you're not. Yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for this stuff, but it's okay. But, but we're lifting up holy hands. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Get on your knees. Come on, bow down and worship him. That's what it means. It, it, it denotes some physical demonstration, right? That's what worship is. This brother ran, bowed down, and kissed the ground that Jesus walked on. And I'm here to tell you right now that worship is tormenting the devil. I don't do it to torment him. I do it because God's worthy, but the devil hates it. I, well, you know, it, it, devil's messing with you. When's the last, why don't you mess with him with your worship? Come on, somebody. What, I know, I know you, everybody likes their different songs. I know everybody likes elevation worship and Hillsong worship and your little youth group worship, whatever. I mean, play whatever you want. I myself, I like black gospel music. That just does it for me. My wife said amen. But, but whatever, I don't, it doesn't matter what it is, but is it worship? That's what matters. I mean, you know, whatever it is that just tugs on your heartstrings, it doesn't need to take 25 hours to be in work. To, no, like you, you, the Bible says, come boldly to, to his throne of grace, that you might obtain mercy, that you might find grace to help in your time of need. You know, the Bible says, draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. I mean, no, that's pretty, that's just taking that step. I'm going to worship right now. Worship you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you. Worship you. Praise you. Thank you, Jesus. People tripping up. Thank you, Lord. Somebody mad at me. Somebody hey, Jesus is hallelujah. Come on now. You guys all right? Here's my next point here. What was my first point? You guys remember? Come on, talk to me. God's goal for us is always freedom. Second point, worship is always the doorway to freedom. Third point, you have authority over demons. I said you have authority over demons. I'm going to say it again. You have authority over demons. Verse 8, for he said to him, come out. Devil started talking, come out. My wife laughs at me because when I, when I say that, she's like, man, you get excited when you talk like that. <laughs> come out of the man. Come out. Authority. Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? Jesus like, give me your name, joker. About to cast you out. About to come out of this man, bound, broken, in chains, cutting himself. Compassion of God. The Bible says that God casts out devils by his finger. It's like Thanos. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Or Iron Man, rather, because he was on the good side. Sorry, guys. Did I just spoil the movie? I'm sorry. I saw it the other night. Think about the authority of heaven inside of you. Come on. For he said, come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Then he goes on, casts him out. They go into the swine. About 2,000 pigs run to the sea and drown. 
unclean. Devils are attracted, attracted to unclean things, unclean spirit. Of course, back in, in Hebrew culture, pigs are unclean. I personally don't think they are. I like bacon myself. But if you want to look theologically here, it was unclean. Those devils were attracted to the unclean thing. And the pigs were like, look, let's just go drown ourselves because we're getting tormented here by these things. But this is the thing, it, it, is that you have authority over demons. And I'm almost done. It said, come out of the man unclean spirit. G- divine interruptions. Jesus interrupted this man's bondage and life. And with one word, cast that thing out of him. And it says there were many. One word, come out. And they came out. All right. Let's look at Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 19. Let's just read this. Then the 70 returned with joy. This is after he sent them out to cast out demons. And they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And that word subject means to be ranked under. Spiritually speaking, in Christ, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Demons are in the spirit realm. They are under you in rank in Christ. The word of God inside of you. So you, and this is what it means. It means subject means to be under, beneath in rank. Beneath in rank, okay? To obey. It means to obey. So demons obey the word of God inside of you. The devil must obey the word inside of you. I'm going to say it again. The devil must, based on your position, obey the word inside of you. Devil, get out of my house. Devil, get out of my, go. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, you know, every, every, everything doesn't have to be as a story, as, as, as demonstrative and, and, and intense or whatever. But I'm just here to say, I don't know what's in your past. I don't know if it's the doubt, unbelief, depression, fear, anxiety, whatever manifestation that is not Christ that you have authority over. Divorce, division, Whatever words spoken against you that were negative and demeaning and hurtful, though you have authority over that in the name of Jesus. Say, no, in the name of Jesus, I command you to leave my life. All right. The 70 went out with joy. It says, I saw, and then Jesus said, he said to them, I saw Satan uh, fall like lightning from heaven. Jesus like, look, I was there when we kicked him out. So yes, I'm aware that you guys um, have demons subject to you. Verse 19, behold, here it is. This is, what, this is Jesus. This is, this is God's heart for you. This is God's heart for you. I give you. Look at your neighbor say, I give you. Look at him again say, he gave it to you. Behold, I give to you authority. Authority. I believe Christians sometimes we just, we, we love God and we want to walk with God. We want to worship God. But sometimes I feel like we just kind of absorb whatever, how we're feeling and whatever, you know, like, oh, I guess I'm just depressed today. I guess it's just one of those days. Oh, I'm preaching good. I'm going to come down here. Oh, you know, you know, you know, my mama was, had a lot of anxiety. So I guess it's just, it's just part of who I am. I'm not, I'm not taking away from the reality of walking through things, but you in Christ have authority over those. Well, you know what? Um, my mama was a gossip, so I get a manipulator, so I guess I just, you know, it's just, I just, you know, it's just how it is. You know, my, my family couldn't quite get it together, just, just, just lost in poverty and, and, and just couldn't quite, no, you don't, you, and then we just say, well, you know, I guess that, no, that, uh, the, according to the word of God, um, you have authority. Not authority to hurt people, not authority to be pompous or prideful, but authority to live out what God has said. But authority, 
Devil, get out of my life. Come on, somebody. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning with, from heaven. Behold, I give you authority to trample. Here it is, trample under your feet. Devil's under my feet. Say it with me. Say, the devil's under my feet. To trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing by any means will hurt you. Authority is exousia in the, in the Greek. It means to operate from a right or privilege. So in Christ, we have a privilege in the spirit. It's a right. It is delegated authority. It is something given to me that I, it's not coming from me. It's, you know, it's, 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 I am in Christ. And so I can operate with authority because of the Christ in me. It's the Christ in me he fears. It is the word in me he must obey. You have authority. You, have de- you are a king and a priest. And you, if you don't use that, you are giving place to the devil. That's why the Apostle Paul told the Ephesian church, don't give place to the devil. He's talking to the church, saying, hey, church, you have the authority whether you're going to give him a place or not. Somebody say amen. amen. Anybody ever get any spiders in your house? My wife can see them a mile away. Like she has like a certain radar or something. She's like, babe, hon, hon. She's like up there. I'm like. And honestly, like I just don't feel like getting a chair and then putting a box on the chair because it's so high. Where's the broom? She's like, don't use the broom. Last time you did that, it fell in my clothes. It's, this is true. This is a true story. This is, can't make this stuff up. She's like, where is it? I'm like, I don't know, babe. It fell in there. And it's like all her scarves and stuff. I was like, girl, don't fear that. You have authority over those things. Come on, use your Christ-given authority, woman of God. You're an example to the community. Don't fear that. Somebody say, don't fear spiders. I mean, they don't even say it says serpents and scorpions. Whole different story. If we saw a scorpion in my house... My wife would be like, we are moving. <laughs> and I, I, so I just don't, I mean, I don't know, born and raised in California. I mean, there's always spiders everywhere, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's just my house. Maybe I, Lord, unclean spirit, get out of my house in Jesus' name. <laughs> Somebody's like, amen. <laughs> Anybody just bugs? It's not your thing? Like, you're like, no. Anybody just, you're, you're the bug killer. I, and then when I do it, my wife's like, man of God. <laughs> She's like, you're my hero. (laughs) Step aside, children. Where is it? Hallelujah. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I mean, I'm just reading the Bible. Somebody say amen. Okay, here we go. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. All. Everything. They are under you in rank. They must obey you. I heard a preacher say that one time. Devil, obey me. I was like, what? Like, you talk to him like that? In the name of Jesus. I'm like, dang, that's a trip. Thank you, God. You hear me? Devil, obey me. Go. Jesus' name. Get out of our church. Out of our city. Off the block. 
taken over in the name of Jesus. With the love of God, the power of God, and the, delivering, the deliverance and the freedom that Christ has paid for. All right, we're almost done. So then they go down. Let's go back to Mark chapter 5, verse 15. And then they came to Jesus after he gets delivered. It's a trip. I casted out devils here and there a little bit, okay? And I just want to explain something here because when he was, he was worshiping and then the devil was talking through him and I've been casting the devil out of somebody and they're crying because they're broken. And then I'm like, come out of them. And the devil, no. I mean, a cute little girl, no. Come out. Shut up and come out. Back contorting, eyes looking all crazy. And not every situation is like that. But you have authority. You, every person in here, if you are in Christ, Christ inside of you, you have authority in Christ to cast out devils. It's the first thing God said when he sent out disciples. Cast out devils. Yeah. Out of the city, out of my home, out of my mind, away from my future. Get off of my future. Come on now. I'm not trying to overemphasize the devil. I'm just here to tell you right now, according to the word of God and the, and the mandate of the local church is to drive demons out so God can move. And Jesus, here we go, he's not going to do it for you. You, can, you know, I rebuke you, I rebuke you, not the Lord rebuke you. No, I do. In Jesus' name. You hear what I'm saying? Oh God, please take this away. No, you command it to go. You have delegated authority. Dada, do this for me. Nope. Nico, you're doing it yourself, bud. Come on now. I, he, he's going to back you, but you do it. Yes, Lord, I know. This is a lot, huh? You're like, man, this is like, some of y'all are like, man, okay. Praise the Lord. I'm glad I came to church today. Then, then they came to Jesus. Here we go. And saw the, the one who had been demon-possessed and, and had the legion. Here it is, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Sitting and clothed and he got his mind back. Because Jesus cast the devil out of him. Jesus interrupted the norm for his life and they were afraid. It's crazy how people don't get afraid until you start getting free. I'm like, man, you should have been afraid before. That's such the devil, people getting free, worshiping God and people scared of you now. Look at your neighbor and ask him, what you scared for? All right? And they were afraid. These people were afraid. They were afraid because God interrupted something. God invaded this man's life. God caused something to happen. God brought a change into this man's life. God transformed this man. And the man was closed, sitting in his right mind. And people around were used to him being bound. And this is the thing. you got to set boundaries around people that want you where you were. you got to set boundaries around people that want you on dope again that want you smoking crack again, that want you sleeping around again, that want you do whatever it is. I don't know what your is. Whatever it was, you did. But you got to set boundaries for those people because you are sitting. You got your clothes on. Somebody say amen. You get, you get the, the, the devil cast out of you. You'll keep your clothes on till you get married. Man, y'all ain't get, giving me nothing today. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I know the struggle is real, single people. I've been there, done that. I didn't get married until I was 33. And I had a lot of demons when I first came to Jesus. But he empowered me to keep my pants on. Come on now. 
Some of you 12-year-olds in here, right? Keep them on. All right. He was clothed. <laughs> the man got his clothes back on. Say amen. amen. Pastor Sean preaching holiness. Yes, I am. Come on. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed. And about the swine, they were like, man, that's crazy. Jesus shows up. 2,000 pigs drown. The guy with demons is sitting down, like, talking normal. Like, oh, this is freaky. Let's get out of here. And they said, they began to plead him to get out of our city. Get out of here. It's, this is too much for us. And the right mind, this is what it means. It means safety mind. Right mind means sober outlook. That he had his right mind. He, he, what God, this is what, this is what a right mind means in, from God's perspective. It means um, what God defines as true moderation. All right? So, so it actually uh, comes from the, this is, this is really interesting. When it says a right mind, I'm almost done. I keep saying that, but just bear with me. A right mind, when God interrupts your life, his intention is that you can learn to sit down in your position in Christ, seated with Christ in heavenly places, clothed with the armor of God, clothed with your clothes too. Somebody say amen. amen. And he had his right mind, right mind. It comes from where, you know, the, um, when, when somebody sings, they use their diaphragm to, to moderate and that word right mind is a moderator for your life. That you're able to decipher the imbalances in your life and bring you back to center of, of just being able to have a rhythm in your life again. You ever met somebody and they walk in, it's like a tornado. You're like, whoa. God wants to give you your mind where you're stable. Where, where you, you got your rhythm. And just because stuff is crazy don't mean you act crazy. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You don't have to respond to everything out there happening. You can, you can sit down, be clothed, and in your right mind. Like that might be happening. I'll give you an example. My wife has a innate ability to process something emotionally, shed some tears, and still hold to faith. Somebody say amen. So like we said last week, you can have an emotional moment and still be in faith all at the same time. It is a miracle. But my wife, just this last week, was processing something, you know? Just shed a little tears in the car. But she was like, I know he's going to work it out. <laughs> so she was having a moment, but her mouth was like. And I told her, I said, you could, after that I was like, Later on, a couple days or something, I was like, you, it's, it's interesting how in Christ you can have an emotional moment and still be in faith all at the same time. She looked at me and said, yes, you can. But in your right mind, and I'm here to tell you right now, you in here are called to bring that to others. Soundness. It's not just your faith in Christ that you share, it is your lifestyle that they see that you share. It is your emotional stability in Christ that they see that they go, hmm, that's different. Verse 19, however, 
Jesus did not permit him. Because he, but he said to him, he wanted to stay with Jesus. Look at what Jesus told him. Go home to your friends. Could you imagine if that was like a relative of yours and they came home and they were clothed and able to sit down and in their right mind? What a story. Jesus said, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Go. Every encounter in Scripture, it always, the person always comes out of it with an assignment. Everything you've been through, God's going to make an assignment out of it. Every struggle, every thing you've had to fight through, every demon that tried to plague you, God's going to touch you and He's going to give you an assignment. It comes in Christ. He will use it all. He will use everything. He is the Redeemer. He'll redeem your pain. He'll redeem your struggle. He'll redeem every weakness. He'll redeem the abuse. He'll redeem the addiction. He'll redeem the pain. He's a Redeemer. He's not just going to redeem you for heaven. He's going to redeem you for the earth. Come on, somebody. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, I got some stories to tell. I got some stories to tell. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began, listen to this, and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus, man, we're a Jesus church. Jesus exalting, Jesus worshiping. I just want to be like Jesus. That's my wife's prayer for me. Lord, make that man more like you, please. I want to be like Jesus. I have a lot of mentors. I read a lot of books, but I want to be like Jesus. I know a lot of great people. I got God. My wife is amazing. I want to be like her in some ways, but I'll tell you what. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to be like him. And he departed and began to proclaim and all to call us all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Here's my last point. Interrupt your world with the goodness of God. Let God's divine interruption be your assignment to interrupt those in your world. Thank you for listening to the message. If you've been encouraged and inspired, give us a great review and share it with a friend today. Also, if you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our powerful weekend gatherings. For more info and directions, follow us at My Sanctuary LA. Be blessed.